Good morning. Welcome to the services today here at First Baptist Church of Stillwater, Oklahoma on this Mother's Day Sunday of May the 10th. We're glad that you've chosen to join us. We'll be looking at the Bible here in just a moment, uh, but uh, we also have some special music today, uh, several prayer requests I want to share with you, and then uh, we uh, uh, want to remember to especially pray for our mothers this morning. In our prayer requests, let me mention uh, that uh, Maris Ward, is going to be having surgery this next Thursday morning at St. John's Hospital in Tulsa. Uh, Steve said he has to uh, drop her off like at 5.30 in the morning, uh, and so be praying for her during this time. We want to continue to pray for all those who are facing a uh, uh, situation of being uh, a victim of coronavirus. We want to pray for those who are in our military, our government, our local uh city leaders, our state leaders, our national leaders. We want to pray for all these people. And you know, this day being Mother's Day, I want to share something with you here for a moment. Uh, I found a British survey done by a British newspaper online, and it was talking about uh, how 40% of mothers have received an unwanted Mother's Day gift. Uh, most of them were too polite to complain. Uh, but I've got a partial list of some of these uh, worst Mother's Day gifts, according to the moms who actually received them. Uh, they've received gifts such as deodorant, fire extinguisher, cleaning supplies, a loaf of French bread. Some mothers receive salad dressing, popcorn, ants. Maybe they were wanting their mother to start an ant farm. Uh, hair dye, uh, set of screwdrivers, uh, toilet paper holder, calculator, car parts. And I just basically say to all of you, uh, uh, all of you children out there, as you think about Mother's Day gifts, do not go and do likewise. It's these gifts that were shared. We uh, appreciate our mothers so much. And I hope that today you can call or talk to your mother, if not actually see her. And if you're not able to do so because she's in heaven, then thank the Lord for her influence and her love, her touch upon your life. Let's spend a moment in prayer as we uh, remember the requests that are ever before us, as we pray for our church family and all the different needs I know that we have. Pray for those who are facing surgeries and other things that are going on in their life. And uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for our mothers on this Mother Day. Would you bow your heads with me, please, in prayer? Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to come and open your word today. Thank you for allowing us to worship you wherever we are. We can worship you whether we are at home, whether we're in church, no matter where we might be. And Lord, help us at this moment to truly bring our requests before you. We pray for all those who are uh, affected by the coronavirus. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray, Lord, that you will heal people and be the great physician for their needs. Father, be with Maris this week as she goes into the hospital and uh, be the great physician for her, Lord, as she has surgery and recovers. We pray for those who serve our nation in uh, military service around the world. And Lord, watch over these men and women and keep them safe and bring them home soon. Father, we pray 
uh, and thank you for our mothers today. Lord, our lives have been shaped and touched and molded by the ladies that uh, have raised us, by those who have influenced us so much. Father, we thank you for their lives, for their witness, for their love. Help us to be grateful in each and every day. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, just speak to our hearts, be with us, for it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. This morning, we're going to be blessed by music from Michael Castleman. Dr. Brad Adams will accompany him on piano, so enjoy this moment right now. of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no longer know? This for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and Thou alone. In my hand no price I bring, Simply to Thy cross I cling. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Let me hide myself in Thee. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. The last chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 20. As we've been looking at the resurrection, post-resurrection appearances of Jesus in past weeks, this morning I want us to look at the last time that Jesus speaks to his disciples recorded in the book of Matthew. 
So what we find in Matthew is that the disciples have traveled to Galilee. You remember that in the uh, gospel accounts of the first Easter, the first Resurrection Sunday, that uh, when Jesus speaks to Mary Magdalene in the uh, uh, garden, that he tells her, go to my brothers and say to them that I will see them in Galilee. And so at some point after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples make the journey from Jerusalem to Galilee, a journey of about 70 miles, so it wasn't done quickly. It gave them enough time to talk about what they had seen, to remember what Jesus had said and done, and maybe an opportunity to say, do you remember when he said this? Do you remember when he said that? Maybe this is what he really was planning for us to understand. It would have given them good time to reflect, good time to rejoice again over all the things that Jesus had done. I think that that could have been a very memorable journey from Jerusalem to Galilee, one that we don't have in Scripture, but I'm sure in spending time together, they walked, they talked along the way. As they arrive in Galilee, and what Matthew records for us, that the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And listen to this verse, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Don't you appreciate the Bible includes the possibility of doubt? The Bible never is a book of saying that uh, faith doesn't have its moments of not knowing what's going to happen, not being sure what happens next. In other words, what we find in the Bible is mankind and mankind's response to God as being fully human. And even among the disciples who'd seen Jesus risen, they're still figuring out, learning to understand, to grasp what his resurrection means to them. They worship, but some doubt it. Jesus then speaks to them and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." There's a couple of things here that really speak to my heart. We're going to think about Jesus' authority. We're going to think about Jesus' command. And we're going to think about the promise of Jesus' presence. Jesus says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about that for a moment. Jesus claims to have all authority. Authority over Judea in those days that they live in. He has authority that's greater than Herod or Pilate. He has authority that is greater than the emperor of Rome. He has authority over the things of earth. He has authority over the things of heaven. He has authority over the whole universe. Jesus' authority is that of creation itself. And Jesus has authority for all things in our life. We need to remember this even today, that Jesus has all authority over 
the history that we're living right now. We might think, well, Lord, if you have all authority, why don't you change what's happening right now? Why don't you stop what's going on? Jesus has authority, and Jesus is moving history in the direction that he and the Heavenly Father want it to go. Jesus doesn't step in and stop everything that happens. But Jesus controls everything that happens, and it is going in the direction that the Heavenly Father plans for. You know, we live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, not all good things happen. There are things that represent our brokenness, our sinfulness, and there are things that are going to be a result of decisions that are made in this world that are not godly or wise decisions. What we want to do as Christians is continue to remember that Jesus has all authority and trust him in the days that we live in, trust him for the days ahead. And as we look back, we can see where he has been at work in our lives in the days past. Jesus has all authority. And then Jesus says, I have a command for you. Go and make disciples of all nations. You know, the active verb in this part of the sentence is make disciples of all nations. Jesus is saying to his disciples that I am giving you a commission, what we call the Great Commission, to go into all the world. You are not going to stay in just Judea. You're not going to take my gospel to just the Jews. You're going to take my word and my message to the Gentile world and to all nations. Whenever this word is used, all nations, it doesn't mean nation states as we know today. It literally means all ethnic groups, all uh, representatives of people, all people in all the world. And you know, today we live in a world that has billions of population that has many different places and people that speak different languages, different backgrounds. But in all of this, the Lord has said for his disciples to go and make disciples and do that work that the Christian church is always called to do, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit, teach them, teach them to obey everything I have commanded so Jesus's command is all-inclusive. It says, here's the world. Go and reach it. Go and reach it. This is what I'm sending you to do. And then the last part of this passage, Jesus talks about his presence. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is an emphatic statement. Some translations say, lo, I am with you always. It's Jesus saying that as you go, according to my command, you're not going alone. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you and strengthen you and watch over you and be with you in every step of the way. Jesus promises his presence for those who love him, who believe him, who follow his will in this world. You know, I read about a missionary to Africa named Samuel Morrison. 
Samuel went to the continent of Africa, spent over 25 years there in service, sharing the good news about Jesus Christ, seeing some success, having some days when it looked like things weren't going well. And after 25 years, he believed it was time to go home to the United States. This was in the early uh, 20th century, about 1910, 1915 in those years. And so he is on a steamship heading back to the United States. He's cabled ahead and said he is coming. And unknown to him on that ship is a distinguished passenger. And his name is Theodore Roosevelt, former president of the United States. Roosevelt has been to Africa to do big game hunting. He's now returning and very likely neither one knew or the other during this trip. So when the ship pulls into New York Harbor and gets ready to come up and dock, Samuel Morrison is looking and he sees that there's a crowd of people gathered. He sees that there looks like a band that's going to be playing. And as the ship docks, he thinks for a moment, well, how wonderful that I'm being welcomed home after my years of missionary service. And then he realizes that the welcome is not for him. The welcome was for Theodore Roosevelt. Samuel Morrison gets off the ship and there's no one there to meet him. And so he walks down the streets of New York, finds a hotel for the evening, and spends that first night back in his home country alone in a hotel room. And he finds himself slipping into somewhat of a discouraged state. And he's thinking and praying in his heart, saying, Lord, why didn't I have a welcome like that? Lord, why didn't you send people to say to me, welcome home? And then a voice spoke to him. And actually, it was the voice that had been with him all those years he was in Africa. The voice that had been that presence with him as he sought to share the gospel, as he tried to do the best he could uh, to let others know about Jesus. And the voice just simply said, Samuel, you're not home yet. Jesus' presence was with Samuel Morrison through his call to missions, through his service in Africa, through his return to the country, and the presence of Jesus was going to be with him in those days, and especially whenever Samuel would be welcomed home to heaven. You know, today, we want to remember that as we seek to serve Jesus in this world in the best ways we can in unusual times, that Jesus' presence is with us. And we're going to trust in that and believe in that. We're going to go forward. We're going to ask God to open our minds and our hearts to how we can best continue to create community and salt and be salt and light in this world. We're going to trust that the presence of Jesus is with us in these days of coronavirus and will be with us in the days ahead. I hope you will keep that in your heart. Join us next week, and now may we go before the Lord in our closing prayer. Bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of Jesus, our Savior. 
Lord, watch over us in this day. Assure us of your presence and your love and help us to look to you for all that we need. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.